does seem weird to you guys. That explains why he has such weird feces. Oh, maybe. 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 Science. From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Helen Stewart. Hello. And Ann Conley. Hey, guys. Happy National Margarita Day. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. <laughs> All right. So, Anne, you were sort of on vacation for the last recording, and now you're back. Oh, welcome back to me then, I guess. Yep, back in the studio. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, back with margaritas. Yeah, margaritas in hand. Woo! Guess that makes it better? <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly. Oh, okay. All right, well, tonight we are going to review the 2017 American horror film Terrifier, directed by Damien Leone and starring David Howard Thornton, Jenna Cannell, and Catherine Corcoran. It's based on a Leone short film of the same name, which was featured in his anthology All Hallows' Eve. It premiered at the Telluride Horror Show Film Festival in 2016 before being picked up by Dread Central Presents and Epic Pictures for a limited 2018 release. When we start off, we go through our expectations going into the watch and the review. So... Helen, why don't you give us your expectations going in since you picked this movie? I did pick this movie. I was a little disappointed in the last few that they weren't really quite horror. The Shining was horror, but I wasn't really scared. So I was like, I want a really scary film. So I was going through Twitter and I saw a lot of people were commenting on this Terrifier movie. And I was like, I don't like clowns. It has the word terrify in it. Let's watch it. I did not expect what happened? <laughs> and I'm sorry for making people watch this if they aren't a fan of gore. <laughs> I love the disclaimer up front because I was going to say the same thing. It was like giant asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Do not watch this movie if you do not want to see body parts and gore and blood. Just just forget about it. Yeah, this is pretty much torture porn to the to the max. Yep. Yeah. And we'll get into it uh, in the review. But um, my cousin had recommended this movie to watch. So I was, I didn't realize it was torture porn or body horror or whatever, you know, subgenre you want to call it either. We knew I, it had like this scary, scary clown in it. Yeah, I right? thought it was like a scary clown. <laughs> you knew that. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't really understand that it was going to be what it was. So, all right. Well, with that, why don't we start the trailer, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Trailer time and action. What's wrong? I'm fine. Why? Keep looking over your shoulder. What if that guy did this to your car? What guy? The clown? 
Monica, a journalist, interviews a severely disfigured woman on a news show who is the lone survivor of a massacre that took place on Halloween night one year ago. Monica mentions that the assailant, known as Art the Clown, disappeared from the morgue, but the woman emphatically asserts that she saw him die. In her dressing room after the show, Monica mocks the woman's appearance while on the phone to a friend. The disfigured woman, who had been eavesdropping on Monica's conversation, attacks her and gouges out her eyes, laughing maniacally. All right, so I have a question for you ladies. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the whole wraparound narrative, the beginning and the end? It's one year after the actual events of most of the movie. And it stars, obviously, the disfigured woman who you don't knew, know who she is, right? That's kind of the point you go into watching the rest of the movie, kind of trying to figure out which one of the women in in the movie ends up being disfigured. But you also find out before you even start that the clown's body disappears, that he's gone, disappears from the morgue. So you're like, it kind of sets you up with the ending already. And you're kind of watching the rest of the movie, I think, trying to piece together where, how it's going to end up there. What did you, did you, did you like that? Did you not like that? The beginning, the intro, I thought generally was well put together that this disfigured woman comes on the news show. And I like that interaction. I like the newscaster. What I was confused about is that you have that interview and where the woman's saying, I saw Art die. I saw that he was shot. He was not taken from the morgue. He's dead. And then it cuts to Art the clown, supposedly like the dude. You haven't seen him yet because he hasn't become the clown yet. And he gets mad and he kicks the TV. Him kicking the TV, seeing his clown shoe kick the TV, Mm -hmm. is the furthest in time you actually see Art the clown. That whole montage of him like getting ready is, I think, takes place a year ago, because they flash back and the and the TV is is um is not broken. Yeah, and he's in there doing his thing. Right. So I think like yeah, you just see him kick the TV and that's like the beginning. I get it in hindsight, but what I didn't like about the movie is that again they set it up like he's watching it real time, and it's like this stuff happened before, and then he's like, "Screw you! I still exist." Right, and then he kicks the TV, and then it's like he's going on this second massacre. Right. Which then you realize is the original massacre, which I guess you would say, oh, like, that's the hook. Like, that's the cool thing of the movie type of thing. But I was kind of like, whatever, that was stupid. You know, like, you misled us. Like, we didn't understand that that was the beginning. And then, like... I gen- and generally I will say I like those things like if you look at Inception or probably like a Memento or I like things that are timeline confusing. I'm cool, I'm into that. 
But what I really didn't like was at the end when they reveal, spoiler alert, that the sister is the one that was on the show. I thought they did that in such a poor manner that it just did not resolve the whole loop. Yeah, not to talk about the end before the beginning, but I agree with you. They At the very end, of course, they show the sister leaving the hospital with her parents. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all you get. Mm -hmm. And then in the beginning, she's like uh, insane, essentially. Like she's kind of crazy herself. I mean, I get it. You wouldn't want somebody to be mocking you, you know, if you were hiding in her dressing room for some reason. And you heard that, you might go crazy. You might want to attack her. But you're hiding in her dressing room, so you're obviously kind of off your rocker to begin with. And then she does that little giggle after she, like, pushes her fingers through the woman's eyes and, like, bashes her face in or whatever she does. Yeah, I felt like it was, like, a little bizarre with that that she almost enjoyed. Like, she became the next terrifier. And I don't – I know there's a terrifier, too, coming. For anybody who's yeah, waiting with bated breath on that one. Not me. But, uh, <laughs> oh no, Ann and I are going for a girl's night out. <laughs> Woo! Scary clowns, sign us up. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I was still, I was really confused about that. Like he's, it looked like he was watching it, like you said, real time. I was convinced of that and I didn't know if that was how they were going to make the next one. Maybe. Like it might be another year maybe. later. Like maybe he always comes out on Hallow's Eve or whatever. That would actually be the best loop-in scenario, I will say. I don't know what they're doing with Terrifier 2, but the other part that you hit on as well, Helen, was just that the idea of the sister kind of coming full circle and being the new Terrifier, theoretically, or having been manipulated. I think early in my notes, I had written Stockholm Syndrome, question mark, like what had happened? And then you watch it and you see the sister and her issues and what had happened. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, there was no believability around the idea that she would become so violent and like mentally disturbed to the point that she would want to inflict that on somebody else. To me, I was like, absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Like she was so mentally disturbed by what had happened to her sister and her sister's friend and everybody else that no. No, that just wasn't viable. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I feel like if you were that disfigured, that you wouldn't necessarily want to be making that kind of a public presence either. So I was, I didn't find any of that to be believable. Like, not at that point in time. I felt like there would be more healing. I also wasn't sure if she was actually even her. Is she the clown dressed up as a disfigured person? Oh. You know what I mean? Because when she killed the woman, I was like, all right, this must be the clown in like sheep's clothing That's type of true, idea. That's true, because he did do that in one part of the movie. You know, Like, this could be him coming back. But the ending with her and her parents leads you to believe that's not true. true. Right. So the beginning and the ending sucked. So let's move on. Two friends, Tara and Dawn, leave a Halloween party. Dawn is very drunk, so Tara suggests they sober up before driving home. They see a man dressed as a mime-type black-and-white clown standing in the alley behind them, carrying a large trash bag. Tara is concerned, but Dawn brushes it off, under the impression he's part of a Halloween prank. The girls find a local pizza restaurant and order some food. The man in the clown costume arrives moments later and continuously stares at Tara across the room, unnerving her. Dawn makes light of the situation by taking selfies with the clown, visibly agitating him. Eventually, the clown is kicked out of the restaurant for smearing blood and feces all over the bathroom walls. After Dawn and Tara leave, Art returns and kills both the restaurant's workers, decapitating the one, fashioning the severed head into a jack-o'-lantern, and stabbing the other multiple times in the face. 
What I will say about this portion that we're talking about, really, the making of the beast, the drunk girls, and the pizzeria, this was probably some of my favorite pieces of the whole movie because I just thought that the drunk girl and their dialogue and their acting, I I thought it was actually spot on. I thought it was some of the best drunk acting I've ever seen. Yeah, I wonder if they maybe have were actually drunk. <laughs> well, kudos to them if they yeah. did that. Like, independent film, let's go get wasted and, like, let's pretend it's Halloween and get in our costume. Yeah, I mean, that that to me was realistic. Like, the, like, I'm going to kill you. Like, where are you? And you're just like, I know that's supposed to be, like, evil foreshadowing. But you're like, oh, but, like, stupid drunk girls actually do say stuff right. like that. And, like, they're stumbling over one another and this and that. And, like, oh, isn't he cute? Go give him your phone number. You're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's stupid stuff that girls say. So... I like that. <laughs> oh, we have a ray face going on over here. Yeah, no, I, I lost my train of thought actually. Um, you were thinking about the stupid drunk. Girls? Well, I, I yeah, well, I yeah. was I In was the gonna cute little mini skirts. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask. <laughs> I did want to ask. Like, did you? And you kind of answered the question, which is, do you think that the dialogue between the the women was realistic? I mean, this is really the only piece of the movie where there actually is character development, character development, or what? scenes with people speaking that isn't just screaming and running away yeah. from the clown, right? Yeah, that, and that's why I enjoyed it. Like, I liked that they were being stupid, but it was totally realistic. And then they were like, we got to go get pizza. Also, side note, now I want pizza. But <laughs> they go to like a very real pizza joint, which I also loved. It's got like the little booths and... You know, maybe it's just like a New England type of thing, but I was like, oh, I totally resonate with that pizzeria and like the two Italian dudes running the pizzeria and then, you know, creepy dude with the garbage bag comes in and then that's where the intensity begins, right? That he's staring at her across the pizza place and you're like, oh, like where's really going to go? I thought that it really brought in the suspense element at that point, which was good. Yeah, I thought that the pizzeria owner was... One of the two best actors in this movie. I have another one. I'm going to save it for later. Okay. We know who it is. I thought he was excellent. I think he actually is a pizzeria owner. I think they literally just walked in and said, hey, we need to film here. Can we film here after you close? Giuseppe, let's do this. Giuseppe. Yeah. I mean, mean, he was was pretty fantastic. And and if you have the the subtitles on, you can actually hear what he's saying more clearly in the background when he's on the phone. And it's And it's funny. Um, so I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that they had him, you know, talk to the girls and say, hey, look, you know, are you guys, you guys okay? Whatever. I mean, a lot of times, like, the people working in the establishments are, like, oblivious, mm-hmm. and it's unrealistically oblivious, right, Let, where they I, wouldn't be. Let's say from an authenticity perspective, those two elements, the drunk girls, Halloween Eve, and the pizzeria totally captured it. But So I, I question about the girls still. So do girls <laughs> come back from the bathroom and say, that was the longest piss I've ever taken. Is that oh. something girls say? Sometimes. Right? I wouldn't say I, I've never used I don't I don't describe it as piss, but I have been pretty astounded at like, you know, like what was the League of Their Own when the baseball player does like they do the timer? I was there have been times where I wish I had a timer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you're just like, this is amazing. I will say girls definitely do not say piss. We say pee. Yeah. Pee pee is usually what I say. That's the longest (laughs) pee I've ever taken. That's that's realistic. But that girl was meant to be a little crass. That's the entire point. No, I I know. But that goes back to the realism versus not realism. Is it how women actually speak? Or is it how men think women speak? Or is it really how a man would speak? They're just having a woman speak it, right? Say it. Mm -hmm. That that was my Mm -hmm. question. Because she also says later on, like... 
oh, there was jizz all over the place, and he was jacking off, and blah blah. blah. And 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 I'm like, do girls say that to each other? Okay, Is that's, that like that's yes, that's yeah. totally realistic. Especially when you're drinking, I feel like you definitely would. I mean, yeah, yeah, because like dudes totally want to get like all over you, and they're like jacking off all in the back. Yeah, I, I'm not for sure. I'm not, you're I, just like apparently I'm, it's nasty. I'm, Dude, dudes I, are nasty. I'm not saying that. You're not saying dudes are nasty. I'm saying, do you use that type? Do women yeah. use that type of yeah. language yeah. together? I, yeah. Funny enough, we will totally <laughs> say jizz and jack off yeah. and all that shit, but um, we will not say piss. No, I don't. I don't really describe it as as that. No, that's a dude term. Yeah, I feel like dudes the sound piss. is different with girls pee. The distance we are from the toilet with bowl, the... so I would call it pissing for a man and pee peeing for a girl. See? Now you know. You're yeah, welcome. Science, America. right there. That's science, um, yes. okay. That's distance. It. Be- because, like, is like, <laughs> I would say that the the men that I know don't use the equivalent language for a woman. So you don't say piss for women. You say no, 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 not that. I'm talking. <laughs> I, I'm talking about the. I'm talking about the the jacking off the, part. Uh, the ejaculation. That's because women don't go into the bathroom and like whack off to men. But no. I'm just saying. But if they, but don't if they a call woman it flick the bean. <laughs> no, but that's a polite thing. Like you'd be like, you would I heard a guy say, "Man, she was finger banging herself in the bathroom." Yeah, no, I mean, and squirted all that. over the. I mean, like you don't hear well, not that. Everybody's because a squirter either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but also it's just true, but. Women don't do that. Men actually do no, that. They don't yeah, do, but they really don't. Ba- they really don't do that. <laughs> um, some do. do you, really, I've never seen a woman drinking off. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Women do not. Women oh. do not. Oh, that's. <laughs> Men will, you know, they get off and they'll like go do their thing, like a public restroom. Debatable. Okay, yeah. right, Debatable. Yeah. Pro- maybe not a public restroom. Well, that's what I mean. But, when, but men get off to women. That's the entire point. And women so, don't get off to men. Women get off to no, like them, like they're women? like like the concept of a woman going and masturbating in a public bathroom is. T- it's just it's yucky in there. Ne- yeah, never ever ever gonna it's happen. It's pretty yucky for men too. Yeah, it's but not you don't like... have to. Li- I don't. I don't know. I, uh, uh, no, the, I no, I get it. I mean, I get it. But, but the idea that it's a visceral reaction for men yeah. to women—that's yeah. the entire point, right? Okay, back to the original thing was the whole language portion of it. But that's fine. That's fine. It's interesting. But like you said, that her character is supposed to be what's her character name? Dawn is supposed More to crass. be crass yeah. to begin with. She's the yep. drunk, the really drunk blonde, right? So, yeah, and I don't know if you guys picked up on any of this or if it was just me really hoping that there was more to this movie than what there was, but there was a lot of throwbacks to, and I know you had kind of mentioned it with Halloween, I felt like there was a point where there was music and it sounded like Halloween-esque with the piano. Hmm. Um, I felt that at one point in the beginning, it was more 80s, like Nightmare on Elm Street with the music. And I really honestly looked at Dawn like the blonde chick on Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she was more promiscuous and flirty and would have been more of the crass of the three. So since you brought up Halloween, Uh after watching this movie, I did a lot of soul searching because I asked myself, is this movie similar to Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th? And it's just that because I've seen those movies and they have a nostalgia feel to them, I accept them. And this movie felt, I would say, dirtier or uglier. And and I will say this, I think this movie does one thing that Halloween doesn't do, which is it is showing you what a real maniac who has absolutely no real motive does, right? Like, he is indiscriminately killing. He sees the two girls, and he's after them, but he kills the guys in the pizzeria. He kills everybody else in the movie who he comes across, whereas Michael Myers sort of is 
they they say he's this machine that's you know going out and just killing, but he also has this very linked story with Laurie Strode. Right. And now I would say you know character wise, you could argue within the characters that they are similar to similar, but the narrative supports in this movie supports the idea that there is no protagonist in this movie, right? It really is just about the clown killing people all the way through the movie until he can't anymore. I felt like I wouldn't compare it to any of the 80s slashers because maybe we do have the nostalgia, but it was next level hostile to me, you know? Sure. Like I was like, let's take hostile and take it up 30 notches and you're just, whoa. But but I think that, is it really worth it? But the, the the difference between like a hostel and a saw is that hostel and saw have this sort of like game aspect where the people are being tortured and it's like a game and it's an or not say an organization but it's it's different than a slasher like the clown is clearly much more similar as a, a individual slasher type of monster than than like the hostler saw thing. I th- in my opinion okay. I agree, I get what you're saying which is this is where my debate was right. it's like. Is the visceralness, I think what it is, is because there's no protagonist and there's nobody to root for, the only reason the movie exists is for you to experience the gore. And and and, and that's where I think the differentiation is between those movies. I don't know. So I felt that it was, and maybe this is not a good enough answer for you, but as you said, Saul and Hostel have this game thing. But this was like a really demented circus. I accept that. And I feel like that was what maybe it was supposed to be, like this really messed up circus experience for people. You mm. saw the woman in half. You, mm. He had his little horn, mm-hmm. you know, like the tricycle. Mm-hmm. Like it just definitely felt circus-esque. Mm. Not that that helps me. but Yeah, no, I, I wish they would have gone more circus, to tell you the truth. I think that would have given it a theme, right. which would have replaced the lack of plot. Which would have been helpful. <laughs> That's very true. I, I felt like after watching this movie, I wanted to go back and watch a Halloween slasher or something so I could wash the disgust off of me from this movie. I felt like those movies, I had, let let me be clear, right? I have never, I had never seen the original Halloween. I had never seen the original Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street. So when I went through that for the first time, that wasn't nostalgic for me from the point that I had seen them before. It was nostalgic from the point that, yes, I was born and raised in the 80s, and that's cool. But, I mean, when I watch this, and let me be clear, I love Hostel. That used to be one of my favorite movies. I liked Saw. You know, once you have kids, it kind of, like, ruins it all, and you're like, ah, I don't want to see all that mutilation anymore. But this, exactly like we're saying, this had no premise, no plot, no character development, so there was nothing driving you forward. The protagonist of the original, what's her name? Not Dawn. The other, what, Monica? Tara. Tara. Thank you. Monica. Yes, Tara. We're on Friends now. Sorry. The other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, Monica's the chick on the uh, the newsreel. Tara. Yeah. Tara, who you think, of course, is the protagonist, is then eventually killed off. And you're just like, okay, forget that. So there's nobody that you're rooting for right. throughout the movie i think by keeping a simple single protagonist through the movie it would have carried that thread forward you know from an independent film standpoint i like the idea that they're mixing up and they're changing things but instead of it feeling more like what's the point of life and what's the point of this movie and it's just meant to be gruesome and disgusting and we need to all examine ourselves as human beings 
it more became as like a fly trap for human beings. Like it to me became an excuse to get other people to come to this building so they could die. So we could find, you know, show them in nasty effects. Yeah, it's, it's about body mutilation. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is essentially, let's see how many ways we can dis- de- depict body mutilation. It was disgusting. This movie, the comedy was black, right? If it, right. If it was there, it was black. It was dark. It was... It was celebrating the gore, right, right. in a way that mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I, I like. No, yeah. I feel like it was very depraved. I feel like the bathroom scene where That's he's the word I was taking looking for, depraved. his feces in the – oh, I was like, my God, what did you eat? Like, what? where did this come from? And then – I I just oh the I ba- don't know. the the visualization of the bathroom scene is actually what haunted me like that along with as we'll get to it you know the girl being sawed in half were probably the two scenes that haunted me the most I don't yeah. know why but to your point the visualization of the like him writing his name on the wall and whatever that was that didn't look like feces didn't look like vomit it looked like intestines it, yeah like, like I don't decaying know something what it was but it also made me think wow like from an effects perspective i don't know what you use there if it was just like whipped up shaving cream that <laughs> looked but yeah but the effects in this were amazing i was disgusting. surprised disgusting disgusting but amazing the women discover that Dawn's car has a flat tire, so Tara calls her sister Vicky and asks her to pick them up. While they wait, Tara asks to be let into the old warehouse to use the building's restroom. Mike, an exterminator working in the building, reluctantly lets her in. While inside, Tara investigates a noise and comes across a strange cat lady who is apparently under the delusion that a doll she is cradling is her child. Meanwhile, while Tara waits in the car, there is a police warning broadcast on the radio that says there has been a double murder at the pizza restaurant, and the killer has been described as a man in a black and white clown costume. Dawn realizes it is the man they saw, but before she can warn Tara, Art gets in the car and sedates her with a syringe. So I feel like this whole scenario where the two drunk girls are kind of coming after a party, that it felt college-like, right? Like you, sure. obviously... I still want pizza. I Yeah. <laughs> I want margaritas because that's where I used to go yeah. at college. But yeah, so you would go mm-hmm. and you would go to the open, the late open pizza place to get mm-hmm. your pizza when you're drunk because yeah. that is what you do. But then where are all the other people? Yeah, I thought the same thing. If this is sort of like a college scenario, where's everybody else? Right. And I was disappointed that you didn't get that feel that they were very much more isolated. So they're coming from this mm-hmm. party we don't know where from. They're really and, exposed. Yeah. Um, and then they go into the, the pizza parlor, and then the clown come, oh, the clown, freaky as hell, and then she has to pee and goes into this warehouse thing by herself, which I thought was weird. But then why are we listening to AM radio? Oh my gosh, it's so funny you mentioned that. That is like what I mentioned as literally the most unrealistic thing of the entire movie. Is like, why are we listening like, to AM Everyone's radio. listening to AM radio. Nope. Nope. And they're all hearing this broadcast of this killer, and and it was immediately broadcasted that the killer is out there. Does anybody actually listen to AM radio? I mean, there's nothing on AM except for maybe really crappy news shows and classical music. Yeah. Sometimes you get traffic. Yeah, if that. that. Like, (laughs) nobody's paying attention to AM. I mean, it's like... It's so static It's a dinosaur. Yeah. I mean, and you can get all that on FM. Mm -hmm. So it was so weird that they would even be listening to that frequency. Yeah. Really weird. So I have two issues with this part of the movie. Uh, the first one is, to your point about where are they, 
when they're on the street, it makes it seem like they're in a city, mm-hmm. right? They're on a city. It's a city block. And the building that they go up to looks like an apartment building. Right, yeah. Right? It's got a, the, the three or four stairs up, you know, to the to the to the door. It doesn't look any different than any other apartment building from mm-hmm. the front. And then somehow it's like some crazy ass warehouse on the backside. It's a garage. It's got catacombs. It's got all this crazy stuff catacombs. going on, right? And I, I I just can't figure it out. Like first of all, the guy takes her like I guess into where the cars are, right? To pee. It's like down in that area where the the, the garage is in this crazy ugly looking place where the ba- bathrooms are. Right. Oh my but, god. But also then, just like quick side note, like how many women have ever been there? Right, where you have this nasty bathroom yeah. that like you have to use. And you're just and you're staring just like, at it for several minutes, like, oh, how am I gonna make this work? Oh, just pop a squad, just hover. So fun fact, uh, my daughter has like this. <laughs> I feel like I need to get the app like where you poop or something. Because <laughs> no matter where we go, if we're out, she has to use the restroom and it's always you're in this weird area with this horrible bathroom no. and I'm like, Oh my poor little girl has no. She has no problem. So she'd she go in the creepy just, bathroom. She'll go in the creepy bathroom. No problem. Just, no problem. Rat infested. Yep. Sign me up. Yep. She's fine <laughs> with it. No qualms. She's All like, right. I gotta go. I gotta go. Sorry, sorry, not to sidetrack you, Ray, but just oh man, totally resonated with that nasty toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what I don't understand is later on in the movie, you see him up in like the office building area of this building. It's not apartments. It's like cubes, right? Right. You can't tell me there are bathrooms up there. It was, it was like, and then but you had the weird cat lady who made it feel apartment like because she's like, oh, you're gonna be a But neighbor. she lives in a place with all these tires. Yeah, I don't like a whole wall get it. full of tires. I don't know. I, I, this, this whole thing really annoyed me. It didn't bother me too much. I just couldn't figure out what was happening when they were trying to escape. Because there was the one door that says, like, keep out that people kept going into. I, I, I didn't understand, like, when they left, how it worked when they tried to get back in. It seemed like she left the building and then came back in another door okay, at you, one point. You guys know I am, like, super high on the survival instincts, right? And I was thinking of that. you. Were you? <laughs> yes, and I was also thinking of you, too, Helen, because I was like, oh, man, I grabbed that girl and went, like, you know, hightail it out of here. But I was also exactly to your point, right? I was like, this is nonsensical nonsensical i was like logistically this doesn't make sense you've got the apartment complex exactly to your point you don't even exactly you know have just a warehouse in the back you have a giant pile of tires you know what just go ahead and like set them on fire while you're at it because it's freaking crazy and like all the cars out back and then you have some doors that are sort of semi-locking in the building and then locking in the car the garage or garage area and the clown had enough foresight to go around and padlock yeah. every freaking door of that building, which we just happened to run into. No, I just, yeah, don't even get me started. It wanted me to take my laptop and throw it out the window because it didn't make any sense how that was logistically organized, where they were going, what kind of building it was, and how Art would have locked all the doors in all the building everywhere. Tara finds that she's locked in the warehouse and stumbles upon Art grinning maliciously at her. He then proceeds to chase her into a garage where she hides from under cars in the building's parking lot. When she tries to escape, Art stabs her in the Achilles tendon with a scalpel, but she manages to kick him off. After chasing her throughout the building, Art finally locates Tara and injects her with a sedative. She wakes up tied to a chair. Art terrorizes her with a hacksaw. 
He then pulls down a sheet to reveal Dawn hanging upside down from a device in front of her. Art then uses the hacksaw to cut Dawn completely in half from her genitals through her skull and takes a selfie with her corpse, similar to what Dawn had done to him earlier at the pizzeria. Okay, so this is the big... Yeah. This is the big one, right? I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) So I feel like at this point I realized he's not going to talk. The the clown. Yep. And I thought that that was one thing I really did like about this movie. And the fun fact, the actor actually has mime experiment experience. Mm. So he used that for all of this. He was not subject to mime experiments. No, no mime experiments. I'm sorry. He didn't disclose experience. that on his CV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I thought I really enjoyed that fact because I, I just thought it really, like, as far as acting goes, he did a phenomenal job. Like, do I like what he did? Not particularly, but I thought it was really, really well done for him. So our last recording, and Anne wasn't here for it, but our last recording was from Dust Till Dawn. Yes. And there were a lot of boobs in Dust Till Dawn. So many boobs. Okay. So <laughs> so many boobs to the little so time. So many boobs. Which is okay. But I, so I have to say the one thing this movie lacked. No, 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 no. Didn't like, well, yeah, no. There's only it, one set. Obviously, there's only one set of boobs. Well, but, but what was interesting about this. Yeah, that's true. What was interesting about this was I don't know if I've ever seen upside down boobs. Yeah, in a I was movie thinking before. the same thing. Because I'd be on, I'll be honest with you, I was a little distracted looking at them. Like I was like, <laughs> how, hmm, this how they how I don't gravity's know. Gravity's working in the opposite in the opposite direction. Here, yeah. I'm like, this is what they look like upside down. It's interesting to me. Like and <laughs> I've. I have so many things to say, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But but I will say this whole thing is obviously just gross. Yes. Right? I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that they don't show it. Like, they don't show full full frontal nudity. Um, no, I, yeah, I will, she I will, had so, on. I will say, I'm not entirely sure you can rip panties off like that. I think he pre-cut them so that he could just mm-hmm. rip them off. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would be hurting somebody by tugging them that hard not that he cares that he hurts her but you know what i mean right um and then as he sort of hacksaws between her legs is what you kind of see like all you see is the blood running down her chest is kind of what you're when her thrashing or whatever uh, but obviously super super gross and then you do see a shot of like her butt like him hacksawing down between her butt cheeks i guess which yeah. is whatever but by <laughs> the end of it when you get to like him at the skull uh-huh. it was a to me it touched on campy like it was a little comedic because the body's obviously so fake covered right. in blood and it's kind of shaking yeah. as he's like and he's doing like exaggerated right. hacksaw motions while he's looking at the terror like hey, look what i'm doing and it did approach maybe i don't say chuckles even but i could see how it's sort of amusing right because he was playing into that mime part i think to be like over exaggerated He's, I don't want to say he was trying to be funny for her or trying to impress her at all, but he, she was his audience. So he was trying to make it a circus-like act. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about <laughs> it. Um, this was so disgusting to me. Uh, oh God. I just like, I, it made me ill. I, I, I mean, I will say after the movie, I felt physically ill from this movie and this scene being the number one contributor to that. I, I thought that the effects were so incredibly realistic that it was viscerally disgusting. And when he started this effect, I just thought, what 
kind of fucking sickos are producing something like this and why <laughs> would you put this in a movie i just it was so disgusting and then you know i think ray at some point you were saying like you know i don't think a hacksaw would even cut through a bone and you're kind of like oh i guess well, i should be thinking about it realistically well, like, well, that that brings it down a notch like that was helpful to be like oh it's like this tiny little you know, jigsaw hacksaw that you can barely cut like balsa wood with going through bone. Like that's helpful to think how completely unrealistic it would be theoretically with that tool. But I will just say that the way that they physically executed that with the effects. Oh my God. I still can't get it out of my mind. It's disgusting. So I will say that even though this was disgusting, I'm actually glad it didn't go where I thought it, it might go, worse, yeah. which was I thought it was going to turn like psychosexual and there oh. was going to be some weird rapey shit going on. And I'm glad in some ways that it was that he wasn't interested in that and that it was just sort of like more body mutilation because I just I for a moment I was like, oh, God, are, we, are they going to go there? Are we going to have to watch this stuff? Like I thought the effects were good for what it was. But I also agree where I don't think that the last part where you get to the head would be the hardest part to get through. Like you're sawing through a pelvic bone. I don't know. I, like I did up, see that it was unrealistic, but it was. And up the spine. You're like, are you yeah, sawing well, the entire. I, I like, think yeah. you're to the yeah. edge. You have to go on one side of the right. spine or the other. Right. right. It seemed and like, like he just went straight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when you think about like literally, but I will say, I mean, oh it was, my it was disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, it was it was horrible and it was really an elongated scene it was elongated yeah i mean that was not a quick scene and then they're subjecting the girlfriend to it i mean really at the end of the day tara i mean honestly you'd be vomiting you'd be vomiting and choking on your own vomit and that's probably where she would have died right there i mean that's i appreciate that she tried to rip the chair apart and like then she started unwrapping herself to get out of there and that was cool but um oh god i mean that was so horrible did anybody also like this? Is going back to the beginning, really? Was that that actress kind of reminded me a lot of Nev Campbell? Oh, I have that written in my notes. Do you? Okay, yeah, yeah she's like, definitely the Sydney Prescott yes. of this whole thing. Yeah, oh yeah, I definitely think yeah, so. Tara, Tara, yeah, yeah Tara. you're dark, talking about Tara with, with the, the dark, dark hair. hair. Yes, yeah, yeah, and the skeleton. Um, yeah, their costumes were cute. Yeah, <laughs> a little scarecrow, <laughs> picking yeah. up a notch. While Art is temporarily distracted with Dawn, Tara escapes her bonds and flees. Art finds her, but she beats him with a large wooden plank, appearing to gain the upper hand until Art produces a gun and shoots her in the thigh. She tries to crawl away, but he shoots her two more times, retrieves more ammunition, then kills her off by shooting her once more in the head. The cat lady witnesses this and flees, eventually managing to locate Mike and begs for his help, but to no avail as Mike crudely dismisses her as insane. She then discovers her baby is missing and seeks out Art. She finds him in the building's basement, holding her doll in his hands. She attempts to reason with him and asks if he's ever felt a mother's touch before comforting Art by cradling him as he sucks on his thumb. Can we talk about how this movie takes a long time in these like cat and mouse things where you're hiding behind the car and you see the clown out there and then he walks out of frame they're like where's the clown then she's moving a little bit and how many times can you grab a weapon and then just randomly let it go right right like she has a tire iron or whatever she lets that go when she escapes the chair after seeing a friend sliced in half she stabs him Mm -hmm. and then she 
doesn't she just lets that go right. and runs away instead of stabbing him until he's dead only to pick up a two by four and proceed to beat him to the ground and then stop and says get up motherfucker what do you what, do, what is this was this, is this like a duel are you like fighting fair no you should have beat him and beat him more but i will say this my favorite part of this movie i think is the fact that he has a gun and he's like you know what yeah i do carry a gun unlike Michael Myers, who is some sort of like machine that only uses a knife or improvised devices, or Jason, who uses a machete or improvised devices, or Freddy, who either uses a claw or some sort of, you know, grandiose dream thing. Uh-huh. Like, this guy's like, no, 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 I have a gun in case shit goes south, and I would just shoot you. I think that I was disappointed in the gun. Uh. I was like, you have this entire bag of tricks that you've made and spent time making, and you pull out this gun, and you're just like, here you go. Here's a... You're, well, everybody uses this. However, when he shoots her and runs out of bullets and has to go back for the extra clip, and he goes, <sighs> like, like I'm so exasperated I ran out of bullets. That, to me, almost elicited a chuckle. Almost. But then he comes back and he shoots her in Just the face. In the face. And like then he shoots her times, a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah. And it, and it becomes gross. So I didn't get why he almost proposes to her with the gumball machine ring and then just offs her. I would have thought with that kind of whatever connection he felt in the pizza parlor that he would have kind of carried it on and kind of tried to keep her as a toy. But I don't think it is. I think he's just fucking with her. He's yeah. fucking with them. He wants her to be uncomfortable because that's what he wants. And he wants fear, uncomfort- uncomfortableness, and he just wants to kill people. He was definitely uncomfortable. Art locates Mike having a conversation on the phone with his friend and renders him unconscious by hitting him on the head with a hammer. Vicky arrives at the building and is lured to the basement by Art, who is impersonating Dawn via text. He then disguises himself as an injured Tara, having scalped the cat lady and lacerated her chest and wearing her hair and breasts as part of his disguise, before giving chase throughout the building. With Vicky cornered in the closet, Art turns his attention to Will, who's arrived at the building looking for Mike. Art kills him. Art then finds and attacks Vicky, but fails to suffocate her with plastic. She finds a sharp object on the ground and stabs Art in the foot. While escaping the building, she finds Tara's mutilated corpse and pauses. Art then sneaks up behind Vicky and slashes her several times with an improvised cat nine tails before Mike arrives and knocks him unconscious. Mike calls the police, but is unwilling to stay at the building due to Vicky's severe blood loss from her injuries. However, they are locked in. Art appears and overpowers Mike with a large canister, then bashes his head in with his giant shoe. While Vicky manages to escape and lock herself in the nearby garage to which Art cannot enter. Upon hearing sirens, she runs back out, only to be rammed by Art in a truck. The police arrive and witness Art eating Vicky's face, and after a standoff, Art turns and shoots himself in the head. An officer inspects Vicky and learns that she is still alive. The bodies are taken to the morgue after inspecting Mike's corpses. The doctor opens Art's body bag, revealing his face with a menacing smile. Art kills the coroner by strangling him. One year later, Victoria is released from the hospital and into the custody of her parents and is revealed to be the disfigured woman from the beginning of the film. Oh my gosh. Can we just talk about the mother's touch scene? Yeah, that that, was weird. That whole thing for a second. Did you feel like he was playing her? Yeah. Or did you feel like he was like, he has mommy issues? No, I mean, I think you could read that he might have some sort of female issues because a lot of the mutilation is feminine mm-hmm. but also like most of the people he kills happen to be women because they're women right. so i don't know you don't know enough about him i think to make that determination but it could be but he could also just be playing him because he's crazy and he likes to mess with people and that's what he's doing 
I will say, um, up until this point, I had actually written that I, I became extremely offended by this film because it seemed just like a mass b- brutalization of women. I didn't like the fact that the, w- the way the women were treated, the other, you know, woman was sawed in half, genitalia first. I just felt like everything they were doing was very specific to female brutalization. And what I will say is, you know, no sooner had I written that, that Mike's buddy showed up. Like I said, this just became like a fly trap, mm-hmm. right? They called, oh, well, we've killed all these people, so let's get some more friends to show up and we'll kill them too. Um, so, <laughs> so Mike's buddy shows up and he decapitates him on screen. And I was like, okay, well, that was pretty violent. So it looks like men and women are getting pretty equal brutalization in this film. But not in the same way. Well, it, was it was more sex-related for, I feel like, the women than it was for... Yeah, yeah. the men. Him. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. Nobody else was cut from their genitalia. There was nothing genitalia-related right. with the men. But I will say from a gruesome perspective, the beheading was... Yeah. But I felt that the effect was super good with the brainstem kind of like dangling there. I I mean, not that I'm like really into gruesome effects, but if I'm going to judge it, I would Mm. say that was that was up there. Vicky as a character, can we talk about her for a second? Because she annoys the shit out of me in this movie. Like I get it. Very bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, I get it that she's like hasn't caught up to like what the hell's going on. And typically you don't have a reset of like protagonists in the middle of a movie. So you're but at this point she makes every wrong decision you can make. And then she goes out of the building and then goes back into the building. Once again, the building makes no sense to me. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I was with Vicky, and like again, you're just kind of like, shit's going wrong, get the fuck out of there. But then she goes back into the building looking for her sister, and I was like, no, 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 no. But on some level, having a younger sister, I was like, oh God, like that would be so hard. Like, put yourself in the position that you know that your younger sister is out with like a drunk, crazy asshole girlfriend. That girlfriend gets cut in half. And suddenly you're in this weird clown house of who even knows what the fuck is going on. and But you don't know where your sister is. But, and then she goes into the closet. Okay. Yeah, which is also another really like, stupid move. And I also wrote get some siblings there as well. Because, you know, you don't look through the stupid eye hole in the armoire. Right. Like, they can see your eyeball. Stop looking through the armoire. Like, have you never played hide and seek ever in your life? Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Later on... Then theoretically, it seems like she leaves the building and then she goes back into the, that garage. And at that point, that is just nonsensical. Yeah, because what she... is happening? She's trying to hide. I get it that she's like cut and she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, uh, maybe but... like an injured animal. Maybe I'll like hide in here type of thing. But no, but <laughs> no. She, she should Go know because she came in the building from the back to begin with. Yeah, she they told her go lies. around yes. back and go in, and so she already should understand where she is when she gets out. Unlike right. everyone else in the movie who approached, you know, was inside the building. Well, the, his buddy Mike's buddy wasn't, but everybody who was in the building previously. Yeah, I thought the same thing. She, out of all of the characters, she is the only one with any sense of orientation in this building. That's exactly what I thought. And I was like, of all of these characters, you should be able to figure out how to get out. So every single scene where she's going to and she's pulling on the padlock and going to the locked doors, I just want to freaking punch her in the face because you were like, what the heck is going on? You know how you came in. Get out the same way. 
Yeah, right. and it, and it wasn't the door that he locked who with the front door. So okay, so yeah, she's annoying. Although I will say that when she goes back in, of course, and the clown is like reaching for her, and then he disappears, and she sticks her freaking face up to the door. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you deserve to die. And then once again, kind of like the gun, the clown's like. I'll just get in this truck and I'll just run the goddamn bitch over. And like right. he goes right through and then she's, you know, bleeding or whatever. Uh, the cops show up and after munching on her or whatever he was doing, and, you know, he turns the gun on himself, supposedly okay, whole, shoots himself. The whole face eating thing I thought like was like, where did that come yeah, from? Right. I don't know. Did yeah. that seem weird to you guys? That explains why he has this weird feces. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Science. Yeah. I mean, I don't you, know. You are what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so wrong. No, no, but you are right. Like, the, so the movie starts to fall down to me a lot in that 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 last, I would say, five minutes, because yeah, he's eating her face right. or whatever, which doesn't make any sense for what he was doing before. And he doesn't have any tools. He doesn't have anything to cut her face. Yeah, so I don't, just logistically, you're kind of like, what's yeah, what's he doing yeah. here? Well, at least in like pointy, right? I was, uh, we're right. I was gonna say at least in like Silence of the Lambs or other things, it's like they just take a bite of their face. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, I mean, that's disgusting, but I get it how it works. He seemed to be like peeling pieces of our. Anyways, not to get too gruesome in this podcast, but you're just like, what and what? I don't understand. Again, yes, exactly to your point, right? It just starts to fall apart again. Well, and then he turns the gun on himself and shoots himself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's you very much see like the blood in his eyes and all this nonsense to say that you know he mm-hmm. blew his brains out. And then you get the scene at the end at the morgue. And now this is where the second person, I think, the second best actor in the movie is. I'm telling you, it's the, the coroner. I think the coroner <laughs> is freaking fantastic. You knew he was going to say it. You the coroner. I mean, you the knew coroner he was going to say it. The fact that he's like, hey, can you guys give me like a, a, a bacon and egg sandwich or like something with bacon? Just as long as it has bacon, we're cool. And he's like, I got to put on my seventh pot of coffee because you keep on bringing me these freaking dead bodies. I loved him. Come on, Helen. Once you knew that Ray was in love with the dream therapist, <laughs> saying that they were the best two minutes on screen, you knew this had to be his number I one character. I didn't even remember the coroner, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, he was fantastic. I thought he was terrible. <laughs> you, not you're that, you're like, saying he's terrible compared to the other people in this movie? I thought the clown was the best actor. For sure. Um, I did feel like the eating in the face, as Anne had mentioned, was the silence of the lambs throwback. But also when he kind of takes the scalp of the cat lady and puts it on and does that weird dancing thing. Because at first Mm -hmm. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I was like, wait a minute. That reminds me of like the lotion in the basket scene. That was my second favorite scene of the entire movie, to tell you the truth. My first favorite was the whole drunk girls and just being realistic and authentic. Uh, and that, yes, the dancing with the creepy hair and the body, I, I, for, <laughs> I know it's messed up. For whatever reason, I was just like, I don't know. That's really interesting. And this it, it takes sort of his like messed upness to a whole nother level. Right. That you're kind of like, wow, that's fucked up. But that's kind <laughs> of really interesting. So, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely thought that the actor did a great job besides the coroner. I like the coroner. But so, so it brings me to the scene, though. This is the other part that falls down for me. So he opens up the body bag and he sees Art and Art's dead. Right. And then all of a sudden, the lights start flashing. You start hearing dialogue from the movie. Right. All this stuff happens. And then Art's alive. Right. And he kills the coroner. And 
So was something supernatural happening? I felt like it was like magician-like. So it was like misdirection when he actually shot himself. So you were supposed to think that he killed himself, but, you but it didn't actually happen. Well, I could get behind that except for this whole thing about the lights and the flashing. And Maybe he flashing. has a, like a thingy where yeah, you just I don't, zap the lights. I, I thought it was somewhat know. clearly. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I thought it was somewhat clearly supposed to speak to some supernaturalness. Uh, and well, I, I mean, didn't, and maybe. I didn't like that because, like, as soon as like that's Hallow's Eve or whatever, right? And he becomes evil, so maybe he's—I don't know. Maybe I'm, there I'm, was some evil presence just for that night. I'm just saying, just like him, Michael Myers esque. I guess. Yeah, you know, I will say, I think, just generally speaking, Helen's onto something with that. I think that's really interesting. I didn't love, obviously, no, I, I, I didn't just not love. I hated the idea that. Suddenly he was mystical and like coming back from the dead and before he was a very human being and then all this like bullshit, oh, the radios and the schizo and like the autopsy of Jane Doe that we watched forever ago or whatever, like that was cool. Like that was more mystical like that. This came out of totally left field, but I like the idea of laying over the All Hallows Eve and Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. of course, which is the next day. I like that concept. I think that they could have done that more had they actually leaned into that with the dialogue. Right. Like the, I actually thought the dialogue in the scene, like to Ray's point, was kind of cool about like the Baconator <laughs> and all that. But actually, had they referenced something about like reincarnation or Day of the Dead, it would have been a very easy sell right. to bring him back. But maybe we're curious or, as to that. Maybe that is part two. Or if they just would have left it. Where the guy opened the bag and then something distracted him and he turned around. And it was gone. And, he, and the guy like popped up and killed him without all the weird supernaturally stuff. Like I could have bought that he faked his death. I'm right. okay with that kind of. Except for the fact that if you have a blanket, you stick a gun in your mouth and pull the trigger, you're going to die. I don't care if there's an actual bullet or not. The blank's going to. I mean, there's there's some muzzle velocity there. I mean, you just can't. Yes. Put it up to your skin and pull the trigger. But yeah, yeah. Two things at the end that made me hate, hate, hate this movie even more was his like BS resurrection, which didn't make any sense to your point. And then of course, um, the sister closing that loop, like we said. And I love independent films and I love how they love, like to break the mold and like in many ways it's more artistic and doesn't have to make sense. But I thought it was so cheap. I thought they had done such a great job through the whole movie, but I thought it was so cheap. That in the end, they had this sister, and she comes out of the hospital, and then, of course, she turns around, and you see her face, um, you know, that she's the one that was on the newscast in the very beginning, and then it fades to, like, the black and red, the black and white, the black and red, well, like, the high contrast. Yeah, yeah. And all all you can, like, he, like, they didn't have the sound effect, but all you can hear is, like, the, wah, 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 and you're just like, oh, my God, like, that was so horribly done at the end like again it's not you know it's not what you're saying it's how you're saying it type of thing and i just thought those two elements at the end just yeah man i agree down a notch you don't even need the whole scene with her and her mother and father i don't i don't know what that gives you you understand it's her when he's like eating her face you want to do oh unkill chill and thrill yeah so that's we have i feel like there's limited options in this movie because there's what like six characters Sure. But we're trying to do thrill unkill because most people are dead and chill. So, Ray, you're my – you're who I'm going to start with. All right. So I'm, I'm going to go unkill. I think I would unkill the uh, pizzeria guy. 
I don't know what his name is. But I liked him. He was a cool dude. He stuck up for the ladies. Like, he seemed a pretty solid guy. And I don't think he deserved to die when his head turned into a jack-o'-lantern. Let's just call him Tony. Yeah, Tony sounds good. I, so I would. Giuseppe's gone. Now we're calling him Tony. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Giuseppe's so, the real life character. Pizza guy number one. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. pizza guy number two who had to clean the feces. Well, I mean, I mean, I'd like to save them both, but, you know, I only can save one. So I'd save him. Okay. Uh, who would I chill with? I would probably chill with the coroner because I like bacon. He likes bacon. Who doesn't like bacon? And who doesn't Me, like bacon? Exactly. I'm not a huge bacon fan. So, like good bacon or just all bacon? Mm, I like bacon like by itself as a purist, but I don't like bacon on things. Okay. I think that's like... Well, a- I didn't say I was putting bacon on anything. I'm just saying. I was getting those sweet, sweet strips of bacon. <laughs> I see. So, and then who would I thrill? Um, boy, this is a difficult one. Um... Assuming they're not dead. Yes, obviously. Obvious, yeah, obvious, I feel obviously, like this is hard. No, so obviously assuming they're alive and not right. like You have to in mutilated. this one unless it's like their mom. Necrophilia. Who's the surviving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, Female character. This whole topic told yeah, that's, the level. Can't, I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. No, so yeah. I I would probably say the Nev Campbell, Tara, the, mm-hmm. the protagonist yeah. at the beginning. Like, she, yeah. You wouldn't so. do Dawn? No, I mean, you know, that's okay, but I don't like crass women. Like, it turns me off that she uses that bad <laughs> the like, nasty word, language. The P word? The piss word? Yeah, the whole thing was like, it's like when you see women that, that smoke a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know, smoking's just, eh, I don't know, I like the off. scarecrow outfit. I'm not saying I didn't like her outfit. I'm just saying <laughs> as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, meh. If you only had a brain. Yeah, maybe that's what the problem was. So anyway, that was me. That's me. Okay. What about you, Anne? Okay, okay. If I had to unkill anybody, I'd actually unkill Tara. I agree. I would like bring her back alive and our Nev Campbell character. I thought she was cool. She was the original, the OG protagonist in this. I thought she had some badass survival skills, beat that clown down. That was really um, actually second or third favorite scene in the movie for sure. That was that was up there as well because I loved her, you know, kind of beating the crap out of him. So I'd unkill Tara. I would chill with our guy, Tony. A hundred percent. Yeah. Our pizza guy. I'd hang out with him any old day. Let's, let's, you know, split a slice for sure, buddy. And the thrill, I was trying to figure out the dude's name, but I guess, I guess, I mean, there again, there's not a lot of options going on in this one, but I would thrill with, um, I think Mike was the exterminator, his buddy. Whoever that yeah, was. Yeah, he was attractive. He was the cuter of right, the Right, I realize that now. Because, like, I obviously was... We changed it to unkill prior to this podcast. <laughs> so I had different names. <laughs> but I'd, like to, I'd also like the thrill of Exterminator number two. <laughs> there wasn't a lot I, to choose from. No, there really wasn't. You, you could have chosen uh, Dawn. No. I would unkill okay. Dawn because I think that... She seems like a lot of fun. With their powers combined, we have like new girlfriends. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. They were cool. And I would chill with pizza guy number one because I also really like pizza. <laughs> so let's get some free pizza let's out of that get some ordeal. Free pizza. All right. So now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. 
First, technical composition, which represents how well the movie is made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Anne. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Heaven help me. Um, okay. You want me to do all three real quick? Sure. Because I know we went long on this one. Okay. So real quick, impact. Oh, God. Heaven help me. I gave this impact a 10. I thought this was disgusting and horrifying, and the gore was off the charts. It it left me physically ill afterwards. Um, the next morning, I was still churning about it. Disgusting. Um technical i actually gave it an eight so i thought again the effects were just insanely realistic the guy was still talking halfway through his decapitation oh the, the twitching of the tongue on pizza guy number two that we didn't even talk about i mean i mean disgusting but oh my god insane um i did take off points for plot holes of course but you guys know i usually weight my technicality around effects my enjoyment, I just gave it a zero. Zero? I don't want to watch it again. I give it a zero. I have to give it a one. 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 Negative one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Helen. So for mine, I gave the technical composition a seven because I do find, I found the, the building confusing and some of the decisions made terrible in the, in the film. But, you know, regardless, the effects are great. Impact, I gave it a nine. And then... Enjoyment, I gave it a two because I felt like I'll never watch this again. But there were things that I thought were good, per se. Okay. Well, for technical, I gave it a four. So I know that the effects were good, but that's the only thing that was good. And although there were a lot of effects, eh, the plot was almost non-existent. The acting was okay. I can't take too much off for the acting, but there was no reason to have actors, really, because there was almost no acting necessary for this. People made stupid decisions. The building made no sense. So I just, a four for me. Impact, I rated it a, a six. I agree that it was visceral, but without really caring about anybody in the movie, it was hard for it to be anything other than just base sort of disgust at what you were seeing visually, right? So I felt like it could have been more. Um, so anyway, I rated it a six. And enjoyment, one. All right, well, and why don't you calculate the scores and give us our individual scores and then the overall score for Terrifier. All right, so here we go with the scores. So not surprisingly, um, we had... Pretty low overall scores on this one. Ray, you rated this one as a 3.67, um, actually the lowest out of the three of us. I rated this one as a 6.33. And Helen, you are at a solid six, bringing the Terrifier to a round score at a 5.33. All right, well, that obviously does not put it at the top of the hill. I'm surprised that this movie came in at a slightly above average score considering how much we generally didn't like watching it but that's why we have the three scales so that we can balance those things out 
Yeah, I think what it comes down to, like we were talking about, is like we hated this movie and we don't want to watch it ever, ever again, but we respect it for, I mean, those effects and really the impact at the end of the day. I mean, it was really disgusting and impactful and right, the gore and the horror just really, really trump that enjoyment factor. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.